go. A special hello goes out to Director Media for the Boston Bruins alumni, Mr. Mark Boyan. Nice to see you, Marky. Welcome to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast, the home of behind-the-scenes interviews, stories, and memories that celebrate the heritage of the great game of hockey. The Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast is hosted by Mark Willand. Welcome to episode 41 of the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast. Today, we discuss the rich tradition of professional hockey in Rhode Island as we prepare for the 19th annual Rhode Island Reds reunion on August 4, 2019. More than two dozen former Providence Reds and other hockey luminaries are expected to attend the event at Goddard Say Park in Warwick, Rhode Island. Ticket info is in the show notes and also mentioned in the show. Among those expected to attend and receive special awards are Boston Bruins alumni Rick Middleton, Ross Brooks, and Rhode Island native Noel Lachari. Today we talk with Buster Clegg, a fixture in Rhode Island hockey for over 50 years and the president of the Rhode Island Reds Heritage Society. We'll discuss the glory days of pro hockey in the old Rhode Island Auditorium and such future NHL greats as Ed Jockerman, Johnny Bauer, Orlin Curtinback, and many more. We'll also have some funny anecdotes from Rick Middleton on his memorable 73-74 season in Providence. Please remember to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and join our email list to get classic hockey news updates and specials. To contact us, please visit our website at prohockeyalumni.org. Now, let's talk Rhode Island hockey with Buster Clegg. We're back on the show, and we're real happy to have uh, a great name in Rhode Island hockey, Buster Clegg, who's the president of the Rhode Island Reg Heritage Society and is coordinating the upcoming reunion we'll talk about in a moment. Buster, thanks so much for being with us on the show today. I'm very, very charmed and pleased to, to be here. Buster, you grew up in the Rhode Island area and played hockey, eventually becoming captain at the University of New Hampshire. What was the hockey scene like uh, as an amateur hockey player as a kid growing up in Rhode Island? Well, I was in awe of the uh, American Hockey League. The, the Reds uh, played at our rink at Providence, uh, the old arena, Rhode Island Auditorium, and seated about 5,300. And uh, it was jam-packed every Sunday night, and I, I got a chance to go to almost all of the games uh, as, as I was around 12 or 13, 14 years old. And I just was captivated by the style and the, the whole ambiance of the rink. And it was just a great, great experience. You can never recapture days like that going into the Rhode Island Auditorium, uh, chicken wire, smoke, uh, right. no heat. You have to love the game. And the fans really did uh, throughout the duration of the, of the Reds franchise. Uh, talk a little bit about that. And the players loved it, too, of course, as you know. So talk a little bit about that bond between the players and the fans and just that whole atmosphere that you referred to. Well, the chicken wire helps because the glass nowadays sort of divides the, the fans safely, and I might add, <laughs> from the uh, ice and the flying pucks and all that. But uh, you were the players are able to hear some of the discussions uh, among fans who are close by, criticisms, praise, and stuff like that. 
And uh, the sight lines of the old auditorium were, were marvelous. I mean, you felt like you were in the game. Uh, it, it wasn't uh, 25, 30 row, uh, deep uh, rows, but it was about maybe 10 or 12, 15 uh, rows deep. It was really great, and uh, uh, the players loved it here. The fans were great. Uh, the players got to know the fans, and the fans were so good to them uh, that after the hockey games, the, there was no private uh, exit for the players. They had to walk through the lobby. And uh, in walking through the lobby, they would be stopped and chat with the, the fans. And uh, it became uh, the fans felt like they were part of the team, mm-hmm. and the players felt like they were part of the fans. And uh, that's why so many of them, when they retired, uh, decided to stay and live in Rhode Island for the rest of their lives. Buster, when you were a fan growing up before you, uh, you know, eventually we're going to talk a little about your own career, which ended up being a general manager of the franchise, which is a great story in itself. But as a fan, you're going to watch a team in a six, there was a six-team NHL at that at that point. So the caliber of play was extremely high. Uh, you, you're talking about the second-best league in the world at that point. Uh, talk a little bit about some of the great players that you witnessed while you were a fan. Well, uh, while I was a fan, I uh, I witnessed Johnny Bauer, the great Johnny Bauer goaltender who uh, uh who had to stay in the American Hockey League because of the lack of vacancies in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. He finally got his break uh, when the Toronto Maple Leafs assigned him at age, I think, 34. And uh, Johnny went on to win uh, three Stanley Cups. Johnny and uh, Terry Sorchuk were the, uh, uh, the tandem team of goaltenders for Toronto Maple Leafs for about four or five years. Mm-hmm. And they they captivate they captured every uh, conceivable title that you can could you imagine you know best goaltenders uh, most saves uh, most shutouts that kind of stuff really good he was one that I remember very dearly Fernie Flamin was a great player and my boss later on mm-hmm. uh, Fernie played with uh, with Hershey for a while and uh, but then he made it big in the uh, NHL. Uh, guys like Don McKenney, terrific. Uh, I, I could go on and on and on. Uh, uh, guys that, whose names probably uh, people wouldn't remember because I go back so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, nevertheless, uh, they, were, they were wonderful uh, people. And we had, as you probably you recounted for us, uh, there were 120 jobs in the NHL. So we got, in the American Hockey League, we saw the next best 120 players on a regular basis, and that was really something uh, to, to watch these guys. And some of the teams, uh, like Pittsburgh, was stacked with Toronto Maple Leafs players, okay? Hershey was stacked with Boston Bruins. Our team was one of the few independent teams. Mr. Lewis Peary, um, the owner, uh, was quite an independent guy, and we took our we took our shares of Calder Cup championships as an independent team with probably a few uh, on loan players from the NHL, but essentially it was a, uh, a franchise owned uh, team, really. That's very interesting. I, I did not know that. And very interesting. The in your own career, Buster, you graduated from the University of Hampshire. As I said, a very accomplished hockey career there. 
you come back to Rhode Island and you land a job in, I believe, in public relations with the Reds franchise. How did that all come about? <laughs> that was by accident. Uh, I had uh, majored in English up at UNH and I played hockey. So those were two prerequisites to getting the job, I guess. Mm -hmm. But uh, I was trying to network at that point, and I knew of a man uh, with the Reds, George Patrick Duffy, who everyone was the Reds broadcaster. He was the PR guy. I wanted to meet with him. So one afternoon in June, just after I graduated uh, from UNH, I went to the auditorium, and uh, there wasn't much going on in the summertime there. Uh, it was not air conditioned or anything like that, the building. So it was kind of a downtime. But uh, I asked the uh, the uh, uh, receptionist, the lady, if I could uh, speak to George Patrick Duffy. She said, oh, he doesn't work here anymore. <clears throat> and I said, he doesn't. And she said, no, he went with Eddie Fainer's uh, king in his court a four-man softball team. Mm -hmm. I said, well, what is he going to return? She said, we don't, we don't think he is going to return. He's on a uh, nationwide tour. I said, oh, well, uh, as long as I'm here, is Mr. Perry in? And she said, my gosh, yes, uh, Mr. Perry being the owner. She said, boy, you're lucky. It's a Friday afternoon. He seldom comes in on Fridays mm -hmm. at all, summertime. So I got in to see him, and... Uh, we struck it up pretty well. Uh, I told him I majored in English and hockey, and he started to ask me <laughs> questions. And he said he asked me if I wanted to go uh, down to uh, Washington in the winter time the, in the Eastern Hockey League. He had a, a farm team there, the Washington Presidents, mm -hmm. and I said, uh, thought about that. And for some reason, the vision of slap shot uh, came into my mind. Those slap shot had nice. never been. <laughs> made a, a film of but but uh, so I said no Mr. Beer I think if I uh, if you employ me I could help you much more here in Providence than I could down there and uh, he said well uh, I'll think about it so he asked me to come back about a month later and he gave me the job uh, so I uh, I got lucky I, and that's that's what happened I was just as the right man at the right time right but in the end you had the wherewithal to go down and get yourself in the building to begin with, and your whole career and life changed as a result of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. When, looking at your tenure while you worked for the team and eventually again becoming a general manager, while you uh, were with the franchise, which is basically the duration of the 60s, a lot of big names came through. And again, talking about how tough it was to get a National Hockey League job, Ed Jockerman, Hockey Hall of Famer, was a uh, Providence Red for five or six years in, in the 60s before he got a break. Uh, talk a little bit about Ed Jockerman. Uh, what type of uh, goaltender was he at that, that stage of his career? Did you think he had uh, a Hall of Fame uh, caliber career underway while he was in Providence? Well, at, the, at that time, we had some pretty good goaltenders. and uh, He was a backup to Bruce Campbell. Uh, who later uh, starred with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but he was a Bruce was a Boston-owned player, mm -hmm. and uh, so he was on loan to the Reds, and uh, Eddie Jackman was property of the Reds, so uh, he had that to to, to buck, buckle with, and uh, and then finally he he finally got the job, and he started to improve. And he was a really really hard working guy. Uh, Eddie was. He spent. 
he uh, spent a lot of time not only in practices but after practices having guys shoot at him worry he worried about his angles very much so mm-hmm. he was a stand-up goalie but he also could flop too and get up quickly and uh, you could just see him coming along beautifully and uh, when the time came uh, we, we were kind of pumping up his uh, his stop his save average the American Hockey League I don't know what they would do in the NHL, but uh, I had noticed in the Western Hockey League, with like Seattle and Portland and those teams, they all kept stats on the number of saves versus the number of shots. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder why we don't do that. So we started to boost Eddie Jockerman's uh, uh, shots, uh, shots up and save average and started to publicize it quite a bit. And I think that the Rangers, although they they had good scouts too, the Rangers had good scouts. The Rangers discovered it, and uh, uh, then they they sat down and uh, and talked with Mr. Perry, and we got four players for him. Oh, really? Uh, and Eddie really he, he deserved it, believe me. And he, he had a remarkably great career in the NHL too, with uh, the Rangers and and Detroit, and, and uh, back with the Rangers. So. Uh, Great guy, really great goaltender. Speaking of good guys in Rhode Island institutions, backup goaltender for many years in the 1960s, eventually playing for the Boston Bruins, Ross Brooks. Talk a little bit about Ross and what type of guy he was. Obviously, he still uh, is close to the Rhode Island hockey community. Uh, He'll be at the the reunion, as a matter of fact. Talk a little bit about Ross as a a player and and as a guy who became such a, uh, a fixture in Rhode Island hockey. Well, Ross Brooks is going to receive the Ray Ross Perseverance uh, Award this year. It's a brand new award that we began last year in honor of uh, Ray Ross, a a guy who persevered with the Reds for uh, many, many years. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's now passed away. But Ross is going to get the Perseverance Award. You look back at his career, he spent 14 years in the minor leagues nine of them, which uh, he was with the Reds. And uh, uh, at the age of 36, finally got a chance to be uh, an NHL goaltender as a backup to Jerry Cheevers in Boston. I know Schmidt was very, very uh, 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 responsible for getting uh, Ross the opportunity to go. Milt was the GM and uh, of the Boston Bruins at the mm-hmm. time. And he, uh, so he hired uh, Ross Brooks, and of course at age 36, uh, he was, uh, I think it was 1972, uh, he made his mark, a backup goaltender. He, he won uh, in backup uh, duties, he won 37, he lost 7, and tied 6. Mm-hmm. And that's a remarkable record. And he had 14 straight wins. That was the longest, uh, along with another expert one named Tiny Thompson. Uh, that was the longest uh, uh, straight win, consecutive win streak by any goaltender, and that's a, that's a, not only a Bruins record, but at the time it was an NHL record too. So he, he's uh, he's he's a good guy, and he's uh, a lot of fun to be with, and has a great sense of humor. Uh, I was looking at his biography the other day, and he. Uh, uh, he said he missed four games because, and he's a he's a jokester. He said he missed four games because he strained a, a muscle in his neck watching a pro football game. So I don't. So, 
uh, but that was that's part of his on uh, Society for International Hockey Relation, uh, uh, Research on their website. They do it's a great website, incidentally. Uh, it's S I H R. Uh, they, they have all the the good things and the the funny things that a player does. So mm-hmm. has done. So Ross is a he's been, he was a great uh, backup too here in Providence for a long time beyond Mar- Marcel Payet. Uh, so, right. Yeah. So, anyway, he's a, he's a good one. When you first started uh, your work with the team, I believe it was the first year of, or the only year that Orlin Curtinback played. Right. So he was one of the tough player, good player, real leader. Talk a little bit about uh, Orlin Curtinback and his contribution to the Reds the year that uh, he was there. Well, that's, he has an interesting. Uh, <laughs> Stack that year, his year, he had 31 goals at the end of the uh, season. I think he scored two goals in the first half of the season, and he scored 29 in the second half of the season. It was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Big, strong. Uh, I always felt that when he went into the puck, into the corners for the puck, uh, he never came out without the puck. He was so strong, and uh, he could fight. He was tough. He and Jimmy Bartlett had a fight when Jimmy was with the Bruins. Uh, we had an exhibition game in uh, Providence, and they went at it pretty good. And Kurt uh, was tough to beat. I don't. I think Jimmy got the uh, the uh, short end of that that fight because uh, Kurt he, he was so big, so strong, and a nice guy. Really a good guy. Yeah. We so, uh, a, a lot of our. Listeners are fans of the World Hockey Association. And with that in mind, at this event, you've got a lot of ex-WHA players. Uh, Paul Stewart, Bobby Shekat, Sheehan will be there. Yep. Yeah, but two that always, there's two guys that I always associate together. And that is former Cleveland Crusaders Ray Clearwater and... Um, Wayne Malloyne. Just forgot Wayne's first name there for a second. But anyways, Ray and Wayne, they were both there while you were there. Uh, good guys. And, you know, Ray would want to have a great career uh, scouting in the National Hockey League. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, about those two. And they seem to be loyal uh, returnees to the event every year. Oh, they're great guys. I was I was privileged to have them play uh, on our team when, when we were, uh, when I was GM. Uh, they they're very good guys. They were young and inexperienced at that point. And the one thing that I tried to do, and I I, I guess I was successful at, is I brought in uh, uh, Adam Keller. I purchased his contract from uh, from I think it was I've forgotten uh, from uh, Montreal, mm-hmm. and also Mo Mantha. Those are two experienced guys, and I uh, I had a talk with both those guys, and I said we've got these two really young defensemen. They're good, they're good kids. They're good, uh, good hockey players too. They have a lot of potential, but uh, if you could work with them on their on the on the uh, from the defensive side, with the, both both Manta and um, Keller were defensemen, veteran defensemen, mm-hmm. and they did the job, and the kids came along beautifully, and. Uh, they both could carry the puck. Uh, they both could hit. Um, um, I, I just thought that they, their uh, that their progress was uh, so much fun to watch. And they're very good. You're correct. They're very good. They've been very loyal to the Rhode Island Reds Heritage Society. 
uh, we're hoping that uh, both uh, be able to come again this year. Talking about the World Hockey Association, the NHL expansion, right when you become GM, which I believe is 67, 68 or so, uh, expansion, the league doubles in size. A few years later, the World Hockey Association is on the scene, and things are different. And, of course, the the team leaves the auditorium, goes to uh, the Providence Civic Center. Can you talk a little bit about that time? Because this very proud franchise that had that strong bond and big crowds all of a sudden is starting to struggle, as many minor league teams were. I think the AHL was down to five teams at one point in the mid-'70s. So talk a little bit about that transition from the heyday of Providence hockey to the years of struggle, since rebounded, of course, but there was a tough period there in the early 70s. Well, I was I was not there in the early 70s. After we made the playoffs in 1967-68, uh, I... Uh, I took a job in advertising, okay, because I wasn't earning any money, and I had, we had, Maja and I had four kids, mm-hmm. so I was, I was kind of uh, divorced from the game, but I did from a distance notice that the, uh, uh, that the crowds weren't what, at the Civic Center were not what they had anticipated, and uh, I asked a lot of questions around here, there, and everywhere, and they said it was the atmosphere to start off with. It was a different, you went to the old auditorium, you had a place to park in the neighborhood uh, on the streets and then a couple of parking lots. And there you had to pay, uh, you had to go downtown, fight the traffic and uh, pay, uh, you know, for uh, someone to watch your car practically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing was that the atmosphere was different. They And the fans that, that I've talked to who... Uh, who I expected that would be uh, devout, uh, uh, continue their devout devotedness to the uh, to the Reds. They stopped coming to the games because they said it just isn't the same. It's too big. Mm-hmm. It's too it, yeah. And uh, so that was a shame. Uh, and, uh, actually, that's how the um, team lost its franchise uh, finally in 1967. Uh, 60, 77, uh, I guess it's 76, 77. Uh, that was the final uh, right. episode of the Reds in Providence, yeah. And they became... And it, was not, yeah. it just wasn't the... Uh, the chicken wire wasn't there. The smoke <laughs> wasn't. Right. All, the, all the things that you think would be negative, the fans were missing, you know? Yeah, well, that's so, what we, we talked about earlier, is the intimacy, the accessibility that the fans had to the yeah, players yeah. and the community feeling. And I, and I watched that documentary when the Reds ruled the roost. Very good documentary. You can find it online. It's on, on New England Sports Network periodically, narrated by right. ex-Bruins voice Fred Cusick. It's a, it's a wonderful... Uh, film documentary and it does it touches a lot on that relationship between fans and players of course as things get bigger they don't always get better and that's was spell the short-term doom for minor league hockey in providence as i said now uh it's one of the most successful franchises in american hockey league and has been for for quite some time it is because it's a new it's a new generation the old generation just couldn't adapt uh to uh you know, you could actually, if you're a kid, and a lot of kids did it, I did it uh, between periods, you could go down uh, at the old auditorium, and you could just stand in the runway where the players came out, you could see them come out of the, you could t- actually touch them, they, I've been, a couple of guys like Top Zinni used to uh, give me a little 
uh, whack with his stick uh, <laughs> and the shins uh, going out, and uh, it was just uh, yeah, you know, the end of his the intimacy was there. It was really good, and you could talk to him. Okay, come on, Topper, we need a couple. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> now there's no, there's none of that at all. The fans do not have access to the players, and that is a shame. It really is. No question. Uh, speaking of your uh, appreciation and your love and your history with Rhode Island hockey, you're also involved closely with Rhode Island Hockey Hall of Fame. And I have to say, I didn't attend last year's event. I regret that. But from what I've seen and from what I've heard, uh, the job you guys have done in building that quickly, these events and the, the quality of people that you have coming back and getting inducted, it certainly looks uh, to be extraordinarily impressive. I'll definitely go this year. But talk a little bit about the uh, the Hall of Fame and how that all got started and how it's going. Well, uh, a protege of mine was Vin Zemini. Uh He was a young uh, student at Providence College at the time. Uh, uh, Vin, I, I, I uh, hired him to, to do the PR for the Reds when I was GM. Because I had uh, enough to do with, with that job that I had. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, Vin is uh, the guy, he is the chairman of the board of the uh, Rhode Island Hockey Hall of Fame. It was his, through his inspiration and through his efforts, that uh, everything fell together last year. He worked tirelessly uh, to uh, organize it, to make sure that everything went well. That the selections, uh, we had a selection committee. He had a board of directors, of which I was part at the time, and he just did a uh, fantastic job. They're going to have their second uh, annual uh, induction ceremonies. This uh, it's up at the uh, Twin River uh, um, Resort, I guess you'd call it, mm-hmm. up in uh, Lincoln. Um, and it's going to be on, uh, on uh, let me see, September 6th of this year. It should be a grand uh, occasion. Last year's was tremendously successful. And he's already, they've already announced the, some of the winners. And my high school hockey coach, Tom Eccleston, is an inductee into this year's. So I plan to go again. So. Absolutely. But, uh, it, 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 the Rhode Island Reds Heritage Society, in partnership with Rhode Island Hockey, which is the youth hockey organization that's the USA Hockey uh, branch uh, here in Rhode Island. Our uh, Reds uh, Heritage Society and Rhode Island Hockey were the uh, the two uh, stalwarts that uh, that financed it and uh, you know and helped it uh, be successful along. But without Vince Mania, you would, it would not be there. It wouldn't be happening. No. Well, kudos to him and everybody involved because I was extremely impressed. That's not an easy undertaking, highly organized, well-publicized, and I'm looking forward to going this year. Going back, Buster, to your event coming up in August, and we talked about it at the top of the show, August uh, 2, 3, and 4, but particularly August 4th at Garden State Park in Warwick. It's, this is the 19th reunion. We've got about 26 players so far uh, locked up. It's a great event for the fans. Now, yeah. our... A mutual friend and Boston Bruins legend, Rick Middleton, who was the American Hockey League Rookie of the Year in 73-74, playing in Providence. He'll be getting a a special award this year as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, uh, Nifty is going to get the uh, Tops Award uh, for this year. 
uh, Topps Award is uh, named in uh, in honor of the late great uh, Zelio Topasini, uh, undisputably the greatest hockey player ever to wear the Reds uniform over a long period. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no one like Zelio Topasini. He should have been in the NHL, and he just wasn't there. His brother Jerry, who made it to the NHL, he said to me a couple times, uh, you know, uh, Zell's uh, abilities were much greater than mine. He, he said, I couldn't skate like him. I couldn't think like him. But he said, uh, you know, I guess uh, Jerry was a fighter, and Zellio was, a, was not a fighter. Mm-hmm. He was an artist. Uh, he, he painted the ice beautifully with, uh, with his stick handling and his skating. Uh, yeah, he's getting that award. Um, uh, we have Noel Achari of formerly of the Boston Bruins, who started last year, who's now with the Florida team, mm-hmm. uh, as a free agent. He's getting a Rhode Island native-born Hockey Achievement Award, an annual award that we uh, we present. And uh, for uh, you know, I've not met him, but I'm anxious to do so. He's, he's uh, all signed up, I guess, to, to come to us. And then, of course, Ross Brooks, uh, we talked about him. So those are the, the three main uh, awards that we'll be given. Oh, there is another one, the Fan of the Year Award. is going to go to Marge uh, McKinney, uh, Don McKinney's wife. Uh, we give this to people who uh, uh, go above and beyond to support the team, and Marge McKinney has been that, uh, that kind of uh, a person. Yeah. Well, there certainly are a lot of great guests slated to be there. Master of Ceremonies, none other than the great Paul Stewart, always uh, always entertaining. And some players that will jump out to some of our listeners. My good friend, who I'll be seeing this weekend, Mike Corrigan will be there. Uh, Pete Demers, uh, Jack Ferreira, who was uh, one of the uh, early people in the New England Whalers and the World Hockey Association, went on to a great NHL crew there. Ron uh, Garwasiak. I keep Garwasiak. I'm sorry. I keep, I keep messing that up, but he went on to play in the World Hockey Association with the LA Sharks. Bobby LaDuke, of course, who had an excellent career in the WHA coaching. Uh, actually, he was the coach of the team that had recent NHL uh, uh, Hockey Hall of Fame inductee Vaclav Nenemanski of the Toronto Toros, along with Frank Mahovlich. He'll be there. Uh, Don McKenney, of course, Howie Menard, who played in the National Hockey League, we, and Hartland Monahan, former Washington Capitol. We talked about Wayne Malloy and Ray Clearwater. Andre Palafi, of course, another uh, great name for the American Hockey League, also played for the Whalers. And Bobby Shekat Sheehan, the swift, <laughs> swift skating and elusive centerman. So he'll be there. Um, the cost is $40 for adults, $15 for children. You're going to not only get a chance to meet these players, get autographs, you're going to hear some great stories that you, you won't hear anywhere else. Uh, buffet, dinner, music raffle, silent auctions of hockey memorabilia. It is a great day. I'm really looking forward to it. Am I missing anything, Buster, about uh, the reunion weekend? I think we missed one thing, how, to keep, how people get tickets. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Uh, either, either, either you're going to be able to uh, easily contact uh, Mal Goldenberg, and Mal is uh, at uh, the following email address. It's mal, mal at r 
mcri.com, or better still, call him at um, 401-864-6191. I'll repeat that one, 401-864-6191. And he'll handle tickets, reservations, and uh, make it easy for everybody. And that's important because tickets will not be sold at the gate. Correct. Correct. You don't want to be left out. A great afternoon. This is the 19th annual reunion. And it will be another great day. It never, uh, never disappoints people who go, have a, have a great time. I'll be there this year, and we look forward to it. We for, look forward to seeing you, uh, Buster, live and in color on that, uh, on that weekend as well. And wanted to say thank you so much for reliving memories of a great time in hockey history here in the area. And, again, look forward very much to seeing you um, on the weekend of August 3 and 4. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for, I, I, I really enjoyed the session, and uh, I hope to meet you there and uh, a lot of the uh, listeners that uh, are tuning in this afternoon. Buster, thanks so much. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Okay, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. In episode 17 of the PHA podcast, we talk with Rick Middleton, about his 1973-74 season in Providence, his first pro season, 84 points in 63 games, and he won the Rookie of the Year award. And he has some funny stories as he recalls his days in Rhode Island. Well, you know, that was my first time away from home as I, I didn't have to move out in junior. So, you know, it was exciting. Uh, you know, I was getting paid some pretty good money, so I didn't have to worry about money. Um, there was uh, like 10 single guys living in an apartment building. Uh, I, I had a roommate, Andre Palafi, who was a, another member of the team, uh, older than me. Uh, so, uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, I went to the reunion, Reds reunion this summer just because Andre was going to be there. I hadn't seen him in 45 years. Wow. He married a Providence girl, so he looked just the same. He looked great. So it's, it's great now to really go back and, and reminisce and meet people and guys that you played with, maybe even just for a short time. Um, my memories of that year are, uh, you know, fairly clear. So, you know, a couple of road trips we had. And the one game I remember the, uh, the most is um, really in the finals. We went to the Calder Cup finals that year. And uh, we were down three games to nothing with the fourth game in Providence. And we went into overtime. I scored in overtime the win. And I, I turn around. I, I swear this is my memory of it. There's about three guys on the ice to congratulate me. I'm like, well, where did everybody go? <laughs> well, as I found out later, that most guys in the American Hockey League have already got their U-Hauls all packed up, ready to go back home. <laughs> they didn't really want to go back to Hershey for Game Five. <laughs> That's funny. So, you know, yeah, it was, it was. You know, maybe it was more than three, but to me, it was it was uh, a memory that I, I remember. So there couldn't have been that many on the ice, you know. But, right. Uh, tell me um, a little bit about the American League. Is the one I always remember, Larry Satcherak. He had twenty-seven goals from on defense that year. We, had, we had, called, half a year. Boom, boom. We called <laughs> boom, boom. He had a hard slap shot. But uh, I always joked with him that, you know, the safest place would be in front of the net. Cause right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could. But, uh, uh, Larry, Larry, myself, and a guy by the name of Jerry Teeple, God rest his soul, he passed away at a young age. 
uh, we kind of were that year. The three of us hung out together, so we were we were good friends. And uh, I've only run into him once since. I was at the All Star game. I think it was in in uh, uh, Colorado in like '99 or something. And the guy comes in the uh, comes out to the lobby to to get me. He goes, a friend of yours is in the bar. So I walked in. Who's in there? But Larry Satcher. <laughs> I hadn't seen him since 73, I don't think, maybe 74 when he was up with the Rangers, but right. we kind of lost track of each other. So it's great to see him, and I haven't seen him since, but right. uh, he was doing good. Thanks for listening to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast, the voice of hockey legends. Just a reminder to please consider giving the show a rating and or review on Apple Podcasts. The link is in the show notes. These ratings and reviews help us become a lot more visible and make the show more accessible to hockey fans everywhere. I personally read all the reviews and greatly appreciate them all. If you have thoughts or suggestions for the show, you can talk to, contact us through our website at ProHockeyAlumni.org or be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at ProHockeyAlumni. Thanks for listening.